Pro Wrestling Powerhouse Radio presents live from Sydney, Australia, Wrestling's Rope Break. Nothing but the pro wrestling interviews you want to hear. Here is your host, Joel the Man O'Brien. Well, hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the very first edition of Wrestling's Rope Break. I am Joel the Man O'Brien, co-editor of, of ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com, coming to you live from Sydney, Australia. Currently, it is 5 a.m. in the morning, but uh, when uh, your guests are in the States and you're in Australia, you usually have to just uh, get up that little bit earlier to get those guests in. We will, we will certainly have Brian Alvarez on on. As we speak, we're just waiting for him to call in. But uh, so, what are you in store for with this brand new P- PWP Radio Venture? Well, not a re- weekly wrap-up show. <laughs> That's saved for my other show, Wrestling's uh, Week That Was, which is tomorrow night at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. We run through all, everything that goes on during the week. We run through Raw, SmackDown, main event, uh, TNA Impact, every single uh, episode, as well as uh, matches of the week, pro- podcasts of the week, and uh, and everything else in between. So d- definitely check us out for that. But, th- but that's not today. Uh, that, that's tomorrow. But uh, what we're concerned about here on Wrestling's Rap Break are interviews. Nothing but one-on-one chats about pro wrestling with the biggest and most influential names of the industry. Uh, but today's guest, uh, who should be uh, joining us any any uh, any minute, uh, is a man who's really had a hand in shaping uh, pro wrestling and journalism to what it is today. With his partner, the legendary uh, Dave Meltzer, he has had his best-selling book, The Death of WCW, being redistributed to the masses for its tenth uh, anniversary as we speak. Uh, the founder of Figure Four Daily and the co-founder of FLWOnline.com, Brian Alvarez. Uh, he should, as I said, he should be joining us any time soon. Uh, but uh, hopefully, everyone's week's been very, very good. And uh, yeah, uh, so, so yeah, we're, we're going to be easing through through a lot of guests. Uh, Dave Meltzer hopefully will be joining us uh, somewhere down the line. Uh, he's uh, talk about a pioneer of pro wrestling journalism along with uh, Brian Alvarez. Uh, we have tons to talk about as well. I've been getting, trying to get in touch with a few other pro wrestlers. Obviously, I want to keep those things under wraps until we have someone uh, definitely uh, on board and whatnot. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it should be a very, very exciting time. Uh, for those who don't know, I should be heading into WrestleMania 31 next year, and uh, Wrestling's Rope Break will become a very uh, quintessential source for pro wrestling interviews and, and just interviews with fans as well. There'll be a lot of interaction in regards to not just WrestleMania 31, but also uh, Ring of Honor, uh, Dragon Gate USA, um, tons and tons of just all the little uh, Russell Con's going to be going on during that weekend. So we'll be checking out all those little uh, nooks and crannies and all those different parts of it. And uh, yeah, it should be a very, very exciting time for uh, not just uh, this website, not just for myself, but also for the PWP uh, radio network, which has tons. And I mean, tons of uh, different content uh, pretty much. I think we're going to, Every single day is covered by at least one uh, really great radio show. Uh, we've got the Raw Reaction on uh, Monday. Uh, we've got uh, 
what else have we got? We've got Under the Mat, which is a, a, a brand new uh, radio show that's just joined our league in the last like two, three weeks. It's got a great following, so definitely check them out. Uh, Thursday Night Destruction, probably one of the most popular uh, radio shows that we have uh, every Thursday. Uh, and uh, this uh, is not going to be as frequent. Let me just state that. It's not going to be as frequent as a weekly show. It's going to just come pop up here and there. Um how do you how do you keep track and see if it actually pops up? When do you know it's going to happen? Well, it's very very easy, people. Follow follow a PWP on Twitter uh, at Team PWP, and uh, follow me on Twitter as well uh, at Wrestling R Break capital W capital R capital B. Um, I'm very interactive. If you if you listen to the show, you like what you hear, please uh, you know stop by and find out what's going on and I'll, I'll give you a little heads up. Um, so yeah, so it, yeah, it, uh, there's a lot of interactive uh, interactivity to be had and uh, yeah, it should be very, very interesting. Uh, again, we're still just waiting for Brian Alvarez to call in. I'm not exactly sure where he is, but hopefully, uh, come on, Brian, we're, we're waiting for you. We're ready for you to come, come on board and uh, yeah, it should be very, very exciting. Um, but yeah, just a little bit about the, the death of WCW. Might as well just start talking about the book that, uh, he's here to promote today. Uh, it's a 355 page grilling pretty much of, uh, the, uh, the, one of the most influential, uh, industries, but one of the industries, one of the most influential, uh, shows in the last like 20 to 30 years. Uh, when I was a kid and when I was growing up and I was slowly getting into not just watching pro wrestling, but really understanding how it works, I went to a bookstore and I stumbled upon the uh, death of WCW. Uh, I think I was about 14 or 15 at the time. And, and I was just blown away by all this backstage drama and gossip and all all what goes into matches and how, how much of a fast uh, WCW was. And uh, it really kind of just took me on to the... Uh, the role that I am right now, I'm just doing radio shows and writing articles of like nearly two to three articles a week and just really interested in, in analyzing the pro wrestling industry. And uh, yeah, uh, ever since then, it, it, it's really kind of taken a, a role up, upon itself. And I guess I have to thank Brian, Brian Alvarez uh, for doing that. And if he was here, I'd be saying thank you very, very, very much. And hopefully he'll be here ASAP. But uh, in the meantime, uh, yeah, so oh, well, 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 it looks like uh, Brian Alvarez has joined us right here. Let me one more second. I'll just uh, join him up here. Hello, Brian. Can you hear me? Hey, what's going on? Oh, very, very good, Brian. Yeah, yeah. We're just uh, just killing time until he came on. How, how's everything going today? Uh, going pretty well. Are, are, are we? Uh, what what number interview are you into right now for this uh, for this book as we speak? <laughs> Oh man, uh, I couldn't even tell you. It's probably <laughs> a dozen, maybe. I don't know. Wow, that's 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 pretty intense. And uh, well, hopefully we'll get, we'll ask some uh, interesting questions and kind of keep everything a little bit a little bit different from what you're you're expecting. But well, obviously we'll just go with the the, the layman terms kind of questions straight off the bat. What should people expect for this uh, revised version of the book? Well, uh, the main things, the most important things are we uh, added a lot to it. If you uh, loved the first book, it's uh, 40% bigger. And so we oh, wow. added in a uh, – there's a lot of information that we had to take out of the first book. You know, we had a very we had a very serious word limit there for the first book because it came out in like uh, 
2003, 2004, and there weren't a whole lot of wrestling books, and so there was still kind of that feeling that, you know, for the most part, wrestling fans can't read, and so we were uh, we restricted <laughs> to uh, a certain number of words, and so, you know, by 2013, 2014, there were so many wrestling books that, you know, they were they were cool with us doing as much as we wanted, and so we uh, took advantage of that, and uh, it's a very, very big book. It's almost 500 pages. Uh, added a lot of stuff wow. back, and... Uh, yeah, we added a chapter on TNA. I added a lot of stuff to the year 2000 chapter and a lot of stuff to the pre-1995 chapter. So it's a big book. If you like the first one, it's like it's almost like a new book, but it's not. So I think uh, everybody's really going to like it. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, because I think the other book was like 355 pages. So 500, is, that's, a, that's, a, that's a mammoth uh, kind of task to, to, to get through. But at the same time, um, I was just kind of just telling that back in 2004 when that book came out, I think it was it was, it was some, somewhat of a pioneer kind of book at the same time because uh, yeah, I, I think there wasn't that many kind of analytical kind of pro wrestling books that kind of looked into the industry at the time, was there? You know, at the time, I don't think that there were. I mean, obviously, uh, Mick Foley's book had uh, had come out, but that was like a kind of more of an autobiography. And yeah. I don't even really remember what history type of books were even out there on like a mass market basis. I'm sure, like, you know, there yeah. were there were a lot of different wrestling books that had been written, but not necessarily books that you could find like in any bookstore. And in, in fact, one of the one of the main reasons. Or one of the things that I really looked at when we were talking about doing a revised and expanded edition was a couple of years later, a book came out about the history of the NWA. And I remember I picked it up and it was like, oh, my God, this book is gigantic. And and I was just like, you know, it, it was really cool. It was a great book. But there was that part of me that was like, this, this book is so big. And we had extreme <laughs> word limit for death of WCW. Maybe we could write this again. And now we could write a long book for one. So there were books that eventually came out. But I think that ours was one of the early ones that really just like tackled the historical event. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but with the book that, that, that with, with it coming out, uh, what was your like intent intent with the release of this book? Was it just meant to be pure fun, kind of entertainment, kind of base, or was it? Were you really trying to shine a light on the absolute horrors of pro wrestling in the '90s? Because like, there's a lot of horrors that are, are to be had, kind of in this book. Well, you know, it was. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of like a uh, it's like a history book. And I, I always intended from the beginning for it to be a book that, you know, future, I know this sounds pompous, but, you know, that future generations could read and go, okay, well, that's how you don't do this. You know, if you want to run a wrestling company, here's some great ideas about what not to do because, you know, this, this promotion failed in such a spectacular manner. But it's also pro wrestling. And we were writing about a, a subject that there was a lot of there was a lot of comedy involved. There was a lot of really stupid things that people did, and so I knew it was going to be funny. I mean, you, you, you can't avoid it. I mean, even if you wanted to write a uh, uh, a serious book about WCW, I mean, how do you write a serious book about WCW and tackle a topic like, you know, the Harris brothers talking about how someone's head might fall off in the middle of a match? I mean, you, you can't write it and not have it be funny. So I always mm. wanted it to be like a, a, a book that people would like to read. I mean, I didn't want it to be just like, okay, here's a book and some historians read it, but most people are bored by it. I wanted it to be like a good history book that people like to read. 
So it was going to sure. have some aspects of comedy. It was going to try and be serious, and it was going to try and find a balance between both things. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think it's definitely achieved there. But uh, as you said, there's just so many ridiculous moments that it's hard not to just laugh along and just <laughs> get completely wrapped up in the ridiculousness that was WCW back then. But uh, uh, so, so now that your book's out and WWE are currently distributing their weekly Monday Night Wash series now on the WWE Network, do you think like in 2013, do you think, that, sorry, 2014, do you think there are any real fresh stories left to tell as it relates to WCW? Uh, fresh stories in, in what sense? As in like, uh, 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 like, do you feel, do you feel like in at 2014? Do you think there's like are there any real like like stories left to tell? Because like it's it's kind of been one of those uh, uh, tales that's been like been told so many times over the years. Oh, you uh, mean like but, uh, for for the uh, the WWE Network show that they're doing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know the thing with that show is that uh, they I've mentioned this on a, on a couple of different shows because everybody always asks about the Monday Night Wars. And the thing that people have to remember about the Monday Night Wars is that uh, all of the people in WWE and WCW that were involved in the Monday Night Wars, they weren't watching the Monday Night Wars on television. You know, they were busy working. I I interviewed, like, a lot of different guys when I was putting the book together, and it's just, you know, you try and ask them their memories of of WCW, and they're like, I don't even remember. I was working. You know, that's what they always say. I was working. And so – you're looking at a company, WWE, where they're trying to put a documentary together about the Monday Night War, and and what are everybody's real memories about the war? I don't even know. Uh, you know, people always talk about how you know it's not factual and they're spitting the truth and this and that. Sometimes I don't even know how many people there even know what the truth of the Monday Night War is. You know, all they yeah. know is is kind of what they've been told or what they remember or a story that they like created in their head. So, you know, I I. Uh, I don't know if there's anything new to tell about it, but, I mean, obviously they're still putting that documentary together, and, and it's kind of interesting, I guess, to get, like, WWE's perspective of, of what was happening during the Monday Night Wars, even if it's not really yep. what happened. You know, I, I don't for the, for a moment believe that one of the main things that turned around WWE was DX. I mean, DX was nah, cool and everything. I really like DX, but that wasn't what turned around the Monday Night War. But it is interesting yeah. to look back, and, and that's what they think was one of the things that turned around the Monday Night War. Yeah, absolutely. I think, it's, yeah, at the same time, you've got to take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt because it is WWE production kind of stuff, and they usually have a bit of a warped kind of view on on history and how things kind of pan out. But have you have you been enjoying the Monday Night Wars, just like on a side note, the the the, the episodic kind of thing they're doing on the network? I will be completely honest and tell you that I have <laughs> not watched any of it. Uh, Dave, oh, okay. There was one day that we were doing the uh, the radio show, Dave and I, and I mm. asked Dave uh, what he, because he, he had watched uh, the Montreal episode, and I was like, what did you right. think about it? And I think Dave may have gone for three straight hours without taking a breath, and he's just talking about how <laughs> it was so infuriating and everything was wrong and it was driving him crazy. And I was like, I don't need to subject myself to this. I can see yeah. <laughs> and just remember it, how it actually happened. Yeah, that, that, that sounds like a pretty uh, good plan. Um, this, on, the first, on its first release in 2004, um, I was just interested to know, did, did you receive any like industry f- backlash in regards to stories being published in the book being 
uh, branded as like untruthful because the only reason I bring it up is because I, I, in, re in doing research for the interview, I stumbled upon a few uh, tweets by uh, your your good mate Vince Russo, <laughs> and he lashed out. He got stating on Twitter, and I quote: "I'm quoting here. Uh, that's how people like Alvarez roll, make crap out and make and make money from it." If wrestling books aren't written by wrestlers, don't believe a word in them. So, is there any? Is there absolutely any validity to what Vince Russo is going on about? All right, here's here's the deal. Yep. I did not make up one single solitary story in the entire book. As God is mm -hmm. my witness, I did not make anything up. Now, is it possible that somebody told me a story and they were wrong? And it ended up in the book. Of course. You know, it's just like anything else. I mean, when you're interviewing a bunch of people, I mean, for example, let's talk about – I'll give you a great example. There was yep. that incident where Scott Steiner attacked and tackled and tried to kill Diamond Dallas Page. Do you remember this? Of course. Yeah, yeah. All right. If I, interviewed, big if I interviewed 10 people who were there for that and I asked them what happened – there's no way that every single solitary one is going to tell me the same story. It's just human nature, you know. Maybe and I'm sure you get that. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah, sure you get that a lot. So go, you go. No, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to just ask. I was going to say, just like what you do uh, with all the stuff that happens backstage in WWE, you you get ten different stories about the same thing. You know, about the, about Alberto Del Rio attacking that one person. I'm sure you got exactly. several different stories. Yeah. And so so every story in the book, everything in the book was something that either somebody told me or it's like uh you know in the in this in the ratings for example. I mean these are just numbers that are given. It's not like you're going to make up a bunch of numbers. Anybody can go back. If there's any number in the book you don't believe, you can just go back and look around on the internet and you can find the number. I mean these are not made up yep. numbers. So, mm. yeah, I mean maybe there are stories in the book that like, you know, somebody had a detail wrong when they relayed the story to me or whatever. But it's not like there's any book in the world where you're interviewing people and somebody doesn't have a mistaken, uh, you know, like a mistaken memory or, or they got one detail wrong that ends up wrong in the book. But, yeah. you know, there I mean, there were things that we were wrong about in the first book. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, the, one of the most uh, one of the one of the obvious ones, because he brought it up, Eric Bischoff was upset. Uh, he said there were some mm. things about him that weren't true. And he brought up the Team Challenge series. Uh, I think in the okay. first book we had we had written that he was responsible for that. And so I honest to God, I spent a full day I spent a full day going back to try to figure out who in the hell booked this team challenge series so that I can get the story right. Is Bischoff correct? Did he really not book that? And at the end of the mm. day it appears that Eric Bischoff had nothing to do with the team challenge series. So I took that oh, out of the book. And, you know, I've interviewed a million people over the years, Conan and Diamond Dallas Page, Shane Helms. Uh, we had Goldberg on the show. I mean, the list goes on and on of people from WCW that we interviewed. And I, I never had people say, Brian, I read your book, and this story you had about me is wrong. I've never had anybody hmm. say that except for, like, the Eric Bischoff thing. So, okay. you know, if there are things that are wrong in the book, I apologize. I, I tried my best. <laughs> But it's not like we made stuff up, and there are all these goofy stories that aren't true. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think I think at the same time, those that string of uh, tweets was kind of tying into the fact that he wasn't you were, uh, that he wasn't being interviewed about the book. I think that was kind of the, that was the crux of what way, he was going on about. We offered, <laughs> we offered to interview him for the book, and he's the one that said in writing, "I don't want to be interviewed for this book." 
Oh, I tell you what, you know, I do remember you mentioning that on Wrestling Observer Live a, a, a few months ago when that came up. Uh, but it kind of just leads me to my next question because it, it seems that you and Dave are seen as kind of the source for the latest pro wrestling news via, you know, Wrestling Observer, the newsletter, as well as Figure Four Weekly. And, and furthermore, like, you know, you and Dave have been endorsed by like other legendary pro wrestlers like Jim Ross, Steve Austin, Ric Flair, et cetera, et cetera. However, like, there's still a great majority. Well, I don't know if it's a majority of fans, but the fans that obviously I interact with with being a co-editor of a website and, and, and doing radio as well, there's still a great majority of fans out there that kind of look down on like, the dirt sheet quality of like what you and Dave provide. So my question to you, Brian, is like, do you think there's ever going to be such a thing as truthful or convincing pro wrestling journalism, uh, especially like since you started like the Figure Four Weekly back in 1995? Do you think that like like do you, do you think that stigma is ever going to kind of like uh, trend, like get off like pro wrestling journalism? Um, I don't know because I really don't know what kind of uh, stigma there is. I mean, uh, we, uh, I mean, we do the best we can. Uh, yeah, of course. Certainly, like I, I think that people should take it more seriously today because at least today we're at the we're at the point where you know if we have a question about mm. uh, let's say that. Uh, somebody on Raw gets hurt, Roman Reigns, okay? We're at least yep. to the point now where we can we can call or email WWE and we can ask them a question and they'll give us the answer. So, you know, and, and it's really always been like that. I mean, there were always people that we could call, but, like, officially nobody was supposed to talk to us. And and now they've they've loosened it up a little. So, I mean, officially we can talk to certain people. They still don't allow yeah. us to interview the wrestlers on record and that sort of thing. But, I mean, it's to the point now where Triple H can do a conference call about NXT, and they invite us to be on the call, and we ask questions and everything like that. So it has opened up a little bit, but, I mean, it's not so much – it's not like our fault in the sense that, I mean, if they wanted to tomorrow, they could say, okay, we're going to run this like a real sports organization – we're going to run this like UFC, and you can talk to anybody you want. Just give them a call, and you can quote them on the record. They could do that tomorrow if they want to, but they don't want to do that, and it's not allowed right now. And so as long as it's not allowed, I mean, I guess we take the heat for it, but it's not really anything yeah. we can do about it. I'd love to interview everybody on the record. I'd love to have quotes all the time or have guys on my show, but they don't allow it. So, you know, there's yeah. not a whole lot we can do about it. It, it, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I mean it, it, as you know from when you started it in 1995, there's always a an outside kind of looking in perspective, and there's always kind of going to be that until, as you said, things kind of change up. I I, I, I totally agree with where you guys are coming from. I'm just saying that there's a lot of us. I, I run into a lot of fans who say, "Oh, Meltzer's full of crap. He's not. He what he says is is and what Avra says, it's not truthful." And I, I just yeah, it's it's just very interesting to kind of see that different perspective of fans that just don't really kind of well, get where. Let me say this about those fans that say stuff like that. You know, you can say whatever you <laughs> this want. Is gonna be, this is going to be good. I, I, I just – here's all I have to say about it. If you follow everything closely enough, you can determine whether a person is full of it or not. And the easiest way to do that – I'll give you a great example. How many times have we talked about, uh, okay, here is what they're planning to do for Hell in a Cell. Here's the match. And then, you know, the day comes and the match is, is different. 
And everyone's like, yep. oh, you know, they made that up, or now they're just claiming that they changed plans, blah, 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 blah. All right, that would be fine if not for the fact that, for example, this past Sunday on Wrestling Observer Live, we had one of the writers call into the show. He'd been working there until about six months ago when he got uh, released as a result of the WWE Network. Uh, they did a lot of cuts because of the WWE Network. Yep, so yep, I do remember that. on the show... And he said every last single thing that we have been talking about for months. He goes, we write our script on like Friday or whatever. We turn the script in. Vince just tears the whole thing apart. We got to rewrite the whole thing on Monday. He goes in there and she's everything. I mean, everything that we have talked about, this ex-writer came on the show and he talked about it. It's exactly how it happened. If, if we told a bunch of stories... And then, like, you know, guys leave WWE all the time. They do interviews everywhere, wrestlers, writers. And these guys went on the air, and they're talking about how, you know, all these stories about him changing plans. It never happens. You know, WWE makes a plan six months out, and they stick to their guns. And they never – you've never heard anybody say that. Like, everything that we talk about, you can confirm when people leave the company and do interviews. We're not making anything up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just very quickly from a fan point of view, I remember a few years ago you did a did a writers uh, writers uh, series leading into WrestleMania. Are there any plans to kind of do something similar to that on uh, Wrestling Observer Live in the near future? Well, uh, probably not, and it's only because they uh, and I don't know if it is because of me and our show, but all of the new writers that get hired nowadays they have a confidentiality agreement. And so when they okay. leave the company, I mean, they're allowed to talk about certain things, but in general, I mean, they really can't say anything. And so it, it's really not as valuable. I mean, I could, I could do one and talk to, um, you know, the same guys that we've had on a million times. Uh, like Court Bauer and all those people. Yeah. I could bring Court Bauer and guys like that on again. And, and Court is awesome. And he's going to be on the show again, but you know, yep. Talking to court nowadays, it's way more interesting to talk about, you know, current events and, and Ring of Honor and any other stuff that he's working on right now. I mean, mm -hmm. most of the stories from his tenure he's told many, many times. He's got his own podcast. So it's, it's harder nowadays to get the new writers or the recently released writers on because they're really not allowed to talk about anything. So we probably mm -hmm. won't have a lot of those uh, coming up. Okay. Oh, that, that, that's interesting. Just uh, very, very quickly, uh, in uh, I just really want to switch gears very quickly and just focus a bit on, on yourself. Uh, I, I want to turn a very popular question that you usually ask your guests that, that come on Figure Four Daily Audio uh, back onto you. So, what was your first memory of pro wrestling? Well, my first real memory, or my first memory? yeah. Well, first, uh, first real memory. The first vivid memory I have is. It's a Dino Bravo versus uh, Ultimate Warrior match. And for wow. years, I thought that this was the first match that I had ever watched. And I told this story a million times. And then I got the WWE Network, and I started watching a bunch of stuff there from, from uh, earlier. And I was like, oh, my God, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> and And what happened was, Sometime around 1989, we must have gotten a VCR, and I started recording the shows. And then once I recorded the shows, because there wasn't uh, nine hours of first-run wrestling every week or whatever, I would watch the same shows over and over again. 
and I was a big fan of The Ultimate Warrior. And so I watched, it was a Saturday night's main event leading into WrestleMania six, And there was an Ultimate Warrior versus Dino Bravo match. And I watched that match like a thousand times. And so years <laughs> later, that was like my first vivid memory of wrestling. But, you know, I have been watching since probably 1986 or so, because there's stuff on the network from 86 that I'm like, I remember that. But, you know, I was like 11. And so, uh, you know, I don't remember it vividly. But, you know, the first things I really remember were like the lead up to WrestleMania six. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. The first memory I have was a WWF Superstars from 1998. I was sleeping over at someone's house and I woke up and they had this, oh, like a week, week, weekly recap show. And it was, it was Vader versus one of the Quebecers. And it was just, it was a horrible one on one squash match. And Vader just killed him. And that was my first memory. So Vader there you go. One of the Quebecers. That's exactly it. Yeah. And I was you like, wow, who's this? It's amazing because whenever I ask people this question, obviously uh, the uh, Ricky Steamboat, Randy Savage bell angle was was like, yep. that was a really, really great angle. And a lot of my friends my age, that's the first thing that they remember. But it's always mm -hmm. funny when you ask people what they remember from wrestling. And, and it's always stuff that's like, was Vader versus the Quebecer really that good? Probably not. And I can Absolutely tell you for not. a fact that <laughs> Ultimate Warrior against Dino Bravo was not very good. But it was like when we first started watching, it's all of this horrible stuff that we look back on and go, oh, man, I remember that. That was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, compared to the great memories that you have uh, on pro wrestling from your childhood, do you like – <laughs> the industry always gets very like, like always gets uh, negative kind of connotations attached to it. Like, oh, it's not it's not it's not like it used to be in the attitude area. It's not like it used to be in the 1980s NWA. Do you think like uh, in 2014, especially now with WWE, do you think that like, there's still great positives to be had with the from the current product that pro wrestling is kind of like you know emulating right now? Um, I think so. I mean, you know, if I didn't do this for a living, I'd still watch wrestling. Uh, there is a, uh, there is a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of good wrestling. There's a lot of good characters. I mean, it, it can be overwhelming when you've got to watch so much stuff. Uh, yes. and, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, I, it's hard to say. I would not watch three hours of raw every Monday, like nonstop. I would not, uh, uh, I would not want to watch every single show. I, I, I'd obviously pick and choose uh, uh, stuff that I wanted to watch. But, mm -hmm. I mean, in general, uh, th you know, there's good stuff. I, I, I don't really know what to say. I mean, there's a lot of wrestling fans still. There's still plenty yeah. of people that love pro wrestling. Uh, if you yeah. watch it every single day and you really fixate on it, you can find a lot of things that really annoy you. Uh, Rosa Mendez, Matthew, that sort of thing. <laughs> oh my God! You know, if you're just a casual fan, you know it's just a fun thing to watch. So there's a lot of things yeah. that could be a lot better, but it's not terrible. Yeah, yeah. We, we we do a, a pro wrestling powerhouse roundtable every week, and there's always this this discussion about oh, you know, the the product's so bad, and everything's like you know terrible. And I, what I say to them right now is like I think that the, the wrestling content, the the in ring content, and the in ring roster right now is like probably the best it's been in the last like few years. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, it's 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 
I mean, you're right, but uh, the problem, obviously, is that a lot of the uh, – it's a great roster, but they've all been made into idiots. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. There's, it is the best roster they've had in a long time. It's a great roster, but mm. you, you still – I mean, we've got the issue of – you know, there there are very very few stars. It's amazing. It's like it's a packed roster of talented guys with almost no stars. It actually takes talent to book a promotion like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's still got a lot of work to 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 go into. But obviously, come WrestleMania 31, he's hoping that we have something uh, that we can kind of sink our teeth into uh, with like storyline wise. But very quickly, just to just to wrap up. Uh, I want to ask five quick questions. Give us short and sweet answers, if you can. Uh, favorite match of all time? It's off the top of your head. Oh God, I don't have one. Uh, <laughs> last, I just uh, I blindly throw out uh, Shawn Michaels Undertaker Hell in a Cell because I watched that match like a million times when I was a kid and I thought it was so great. But that ain't oh, the greatest match the of night- all time. But that's that's the first one I always say. That's the 1997 one, obviously. Bad Blood. Yeah. Yep, very, very good. Yeah. Uh, the m- most overrated current star in WWE. Overrated current star. Uh, man, I don't even know. Uh, they've only got like three stars. Um, <laughs> and they're all kind of good. Randy so, Orton, yeah. I guess, although I really, really like Randy Orton. But, you know, based on, on a lot of different factors, I mean, he's being pushed because he's Randy Orton, and that's about it. But I, I think he's a great wrestler, but, I mean, that's the closest I can come to, I guess. Yeah, I was, I was thinking kind of Kane, but that's just me. Well, but, yeah, but uh, I'm him as one of the biggest stars. Yeah, it's actually, yeah, yeah, good point, good point. Uh, most underrated stuff, that, this should be a little bit easier. Oh, God, there's a million of them, like, uh, you know, Dean Ambrose, uh, even like Daniel Bryan, even though he headlined WrestleMania and got both belts, I mean, he was he was underrated. Uh, mm. Those are the top two that just come off off the top of my head. Yep, sure. Uh what would you like to see in the in the next six months of pro wrestling? Is there something particular you want to see kind of come to Actually, fruition? Let me tell in the you next what I'm looking months? forward to. I am looking forward to the period between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania because it is always awesome, and this year it is going to be even more awesome because you are going to have Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns both returning at the same time. Dean Ambrose is already going to be a big star, and the fans are going to have to, and you know they're going to try and choose. Which of these three guys they want to main event WrestleMania this year? And I think it's going to be like an amazing three months of television. Uh, like the company versus the fans again, just like last year. But this time you've got three guys. The one guy they really yes. want to push that the fans actually do like, and then two other guys that are going to have to decide if they want to get these guys in the main event. Yeah, absolutely. I think Roman Reigns has got a, a tough task ahead of him when he comes back from injury to kind of get uh, back on track when it comes to, you know, getting to a main event level to potentially. I guess I guess Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns is still in the uh, is still on the cards. Uh, from what you've I heard, know. far as I know. Yeah. Cool. Well, last question. Describe John Cena in one word. <laughs> Robot. Robot. <laughs> He that, is, a, yes, he is that, a robot. I'm positive. <laughs> I, I, I was watching. Uh, I don't know why. I was watching Turtle Divas, and I saw an episode. I don't watch it often, but I saw an episode between like him and Nikki Bella, and my God, it's exactly like he is on television. <laughs> like exactly. Know, it's amazing. I mean, it, it's, it's like uh, you know. I, I watch the show, and I'm like, if 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 I were a woman, 
I mean, I can't even imagine like dating John Cena. I mean, he just comes across on. I mean, it's just a television show. It's just a reality show and everything like that. But he comes across as like the most boring human being in like the whole world. It's really amazing, actually. Yeah, I'm sure he's a good guy, but yeah, I think you definitely get that kind of like perception every time you kind of watch Turtle Davis and like this guy. Like, you've met him, haven't you? Like, you like run into him? Yeah, he's he's like a robot. He's a yeah. Exactly right. I went to the charity event at WrestleMania 29 and in New York City, and he was just like that. He was like, "All right, you're from Australia. We'll be in Australia soon. Thanks very much." I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool." But yeah. anyway, um, yeah. But thanks so much, Brian, for coming on the show. I guess we'll just kind of like wrap things up here. The uh, the, the the death of WCW is, is ready to be purchased from uh, Amazon.com right now. So uh, head on over there and get your copy, as it is like it's pretty much a must if you're a diehard pro wrestling fan. Uh, it. Is the book available in bookstores everywhere now, Brian, or are we still just on Amazon.com? The, the book will be available in bookstores everywhere on October 14th, and it is available at Amazon.com, hardcover, softcover, and Kindle. And I know in the uh, UK, I think the release date might be a little bit later, but I know like, if you really, really want it, you can order it from Amazon US, and they'll ship it to the UK. I, I've been told. Uh, don't take my word for it, but that's what people have told me. But it's going to be everywhere in the world, like within the next couple of months, and everybody's already getting it here in the U.S. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I love the book. I'm very proud of it, and uh, hopefully everybody enjoys it. Yeah. Also, uh, figure four. Uh, sorry, F4W Online is pretty much your one-stop shop for all your pro wrestling news needs. Uh, Brian does this. I think. What? You, how many audio shows do you, are you on now? You at least do two a day, don't you? Uh, it's usually about two a day. Uh, Sundays it's three, but there's more audio than you'd ever know what to do with. And 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 we also have the archives on the site. So like, if you manage to have enough time to listen to uh, two radio shows every single day, and you must have more, uh, we got six thousand shows in the archives. So uh, nine ninety nine if you sign up for a year. So uh, <laughs> check it out, everybody. WrestlingObserver.com. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Brian, thank you so much for coming on uh, on board today. It's really been an honor because considering like I used to listen to you when I started uh, getting into pro wrestling, like, you know, the inner workings of pro wrestling. So thank you so much for being the first uh, ever interview on uh, Wrestling's Rope Break. Wow, you did an awesome job for a first ever interview. So uh, thanks for having me on and I uh, really appreciate it. Anytime you want me on, I'll come back. I really do appreciate it. I'll definitely hold you to that. Thanks very much, Brian. And uh, that, that, that about wraps, wraps it up here for the first edition of Wrestling's Rep Break. Remember to catch me uh, c- catch me a- again this week uh, for Wrestling's Week That Was tomorrow night uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern for a rundown for the, uh, the latest seven days in the world of professional wrestling. In the meantime, uh, be, be sure to follow me on Twitter at, uh, at Wrestling R Break, capital W, capital R, capital B. Uh, remember any feedback's good feedback that's the only way I can kind of grow the show and get it be- best for you guys and uh, follow Pro Wrestling Powerhouse at Team PWP for all the latest uh, thanks, ag- thanks again Brian thanks again everybody and uh, we'll catch you on the next Wrestling's Rope Break thanks so much thank you <laughs>